Welcome to the latest Buff Zone podcast. It's our first one in quite a while, and we're going to kick off the 2023-24 school year. And uh, I'm joined by Pat Rooney, my colleague at Buff Zone. And Pat, it's nice to uh, hear your voice. I, I've seen you plenty, but this is our first podcast in a while. It is, trying to shake off the rust here. But uh, it's been great to kind of get going after our summer level this year. Um, but, you know, excited to get going, been out of practice a few times, released a post-practice interviews and that opening day at TCU is getting closer and closer. Yeah. I mean, we obviously haven't been able to see any practices yet. And so we're relying on what we hear from coaches and the couple of players we've had. It's not, you know, quite as many players as we've had in the past, but we're going to get into football, uh, here a little bit more, um, you know, later in the podcast, but we do want to start with realignment, which, at this point, it's been a couple of weeks since Colorado made the move to the Big 12, but this is our first podcast in a while, like we said. So uh, you and I have not had a podcast talking about this. So um, it's still obviously a fresh topic because, <laughs> you know, there's there's been a lot of other movement and a lot of potential movement that keeps being talked about really hourly. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Obviously, it's been a crazy couple of weeks since it was first announced that the Buffs uh, kind of started the exodus from the Pac-12. Uh, I mean, going back to last year, obviously the Los Angeles schools, but uh, the, the the kind of current shakeup, Buffs got ahead of the curve going to the Big 12. Some of their Pac-12 allies, allies, the other four corner schools, if you will, the Utah and both Arizona schools following suit with the move to the Big 12. Obviously some new faces already in the Big 12 this year. And next year, no Texas or Oklahoma. So a uh, huge shakeup. Obviously, I think, you know, I, I wrote a little bit about this in a recent column, and it's been written about, uh, you know, quite extensively, obviously. But the the end result of this being the apparent demise of the, the, the Pac-12 is still pretty wild to think about. I never thought it'd get to this point. I know you kind of share my opinion that I don't think anyone wanted to leave the Pac-12, but uh, the hand was forced and you got to give credit to Rick George for taking the secure deal while he still could. And, you know, the fact that we're looking at maybe just one more season of the Pac-12 and in that conference, as we know it, it's, it's pretty wild to think about. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting going back to 2010, when Colorado made the announcement that they were leaving the the Big 12 for the Pac-12, and they got ahead of the curve then, too. I mean, they were the ones that kind of kicked things off in that round of realignment, and a lot of that was because there was talk of the Big 12 crumbling, and, uh, you know, the Big 10 was looking at Nebraska, Missouri, and Texas, and there was talk of the Pac-12, or the Pac-10 at the time, taking six Big 12 teams, and, you know, it looked like the Big 12 was going to crumble. That didn't happen. You know, a few teams left, um, but it didn't crumble. The league responded by adding TCU, West Virginia, and then uh, obviously this year added four schools. But with the Pac-12, it's crumbled. You know, I mean, it took one week after Colorado left uh, to see uh, five more teams leave the conference with, like you said, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, joining them in the Big 12, and then Oregon, Washington to the Big 10. And as we sit here right now, there's only four Pac-12 teams that are left uh, that are, you know, at as of right now, committed to this conference beyond 2024. So uh, it, it's crazy to see what's happened. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i kind of sad for the Pac-12 because I don't know about you, Pat, but it's a conference I've enjoyed covering over the last decade. Oh, very much so. And as much as 
a lot of criticism is lobbed at the direction of the Pac-12 networks, and you know, in most cases, justifiably so. I've, I'm I'm pretty sure you feel as I do. Uh, you know, those are business criticisms and criticisms of how they've tried to deliver their product. The people that put together the product are all, you know, across the board class acts. I've enjoyed working with them. I feel bad for whatever is going to come next for for all of them. A lot of that remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, certainly a lot of people affected behind the scenes in the, the, these moves that, uh, you know, I certainly feel for. Yeah. And the product athletically has been fun. And I know, uh, you, you know, you and I talk about this a lot, but I mean, clearly the fan bases are not super passionate in some of these places and uh, you know, game football and basketball games that, you know, the Bay area schools can be a little dull. They don't really fill up and uh, they're not great at the LA schools and the Arizona schools. Things that obviously Arizona basketball is, but um, you know, say what you want about all that. stuff. there's still fun environments, uh, the games have been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of memorable moments we've had covering this conference, you know, whether it's basketball or football, you know, women's basketball, you and I have done some, you know, cross country or track and, you know, volleyball, things like that. There's been some fun moments uh, for Colorado being in this conference. And I think that athletically, you can look back at it and say, this was a pretty good era. Uh, football, you want to win more, but it was a pretty good era as far as memorable moments and and some fun schools to cover. A lot of the other sports you just mentioned kind of uh, came into the uh, Pac-12 on, uh, you know, kind of a low tide, if you will. Uh, women's basketball was pretty good at the time, and, and they tailed off a few years into the Pac-12 and have obviously recovered. Uh, soccer and volleyball, pretty similar, actually. They, uh, um, you know, were kind of struggling a little bit at the uh, tail end of the Pac- Big 12 era, rather, and, and, and volleyball into the Pac-12 era, and, and both have kind of turned around and become, you know, pr- pretty reputable programs within a Pac-12, and, you know, both those stor- sports are pretty strong in the Pac-12. Um, you know, what it means for CU, I think it kind of depends on the sport. I've written a little bit about this the last few weeks, catching up with the different coaches. You know, I think uh, – you know, women's basketball is going to be a bit of a wash moving from, you know, competitively moving from one conference to the other. Football, probably a step up. Uh, men's basketball, certainly a step up. Uh, women's foot soccer remains to be seen. You know, some of the teams that are starting this year uh, have pretty good programs. Central Florida, uh, BYU especially. Um, and same with uh, volleyball. You know, they lose Texas, who was a national championship champion that last year. Uh, but some of the programs coming in are, are, are pretty solid. You know, a lot of the road trips, like Rick George alluded to uh, during his press conference when this move was still, uh, you know, when this move was announced, rather, uh, you know, you, you've got Morgantown in West Virginia. Obviously, it'll be a hall in, and Central Florida in Orlando as well. But in general, the, the Big 12 footprint is a little more condensed than uh, what, what the travel they had to deal with in the uh, in a Pac-12. You know, and I've never... You know, I've never thought traveling is that big a deal for football, regardless of where you're going. You're kind of you kind of come in, you play the game, you leave. The, the road trips are all kind of the same. It's some of those other sports that play twice in in one weekend, you know, especially when you're chartering like a lot of those Olympic sports do. You know, a lot of that can be a grind. I think some of that will be lessened for the buffs in the Big 12 um, and, 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 and certainly won't be as arduous as, as some of their Pac-12 rivals that are now going to be playing in the Big Ten. 
Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, the the Big Twelve as it stands right now is going to be sixteen teams, and they're even having discussions whether they'll add uh, a couple more of those Pac twelve teams. So it could be even eighteen or twenty. Uh, Colorado is not going to be playing Central Florida all the time. We're going out to West Virginia all the time. Maybe not even Cincinnati. I would imagine that if they divide into divisions, especially football wise, uh, they're going to be more in like a Western division. They're going to see more of. The schools are used to Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, uh, you know, teams like that. Um, I, I'm excited about some BYU matchups. I've always thought that um, that would be a natural um, a, a non-conference opponent for Colorado. Well, now it's going to be a conference opponent. So um, I would imagine most of the games are there. I was asked this how many times I think they're going to go to Central Florida. Well, they're currently committed to the Big 12 now through, I think, 2031, which is seven football seasons. I'd be surprised if they go to Central Florida um, more than twice in that time, and I bet it's only once. So um, I think the travel aspect might not be as big of a deal, and and we'll see in some of these other sports. I mean, you're not going to play everybody twice in basketball, obviously. Right, right, and that's you know that's another factor that comes into this. We don't know what these schedules are going to look like. The Big Twelve uh, has always operated with an 18 game basketball schedule the Pac-12 obviously a few years ago moved to 20 games in men's basketball but you know with this many teams I feel like you almost have to go to a 20 uh 20 game league schedule moving forward so uh you know a lot of questions along those that front that that has to be answered uh but I agree with you you know if if, if those two are the the longest trips out there the the West Virginia and the uh Central Florida it's not actually going to happen that much and you know I I crunched this when it first happened. Morgantown, West Virginia is not that much further from Boulder than, than Seattle. Uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of less than 200 miles further. Uh, now it's two time zones. That that's, that's a difference. Obviously you just go one time zone going out West. Uh, so there is that factor, but you know, as far as the actual travel time, it's not going to be that much further. Uh, certainly for football and men's basketball, where presumably they're, they're on charters. Uh, it's not that much more more travel time than it is to Seattle. Yeah, and certainly a benefit that Rick George mentioned at the press conference was the fact that they're going to get home earlier. I mean, you play a 7 p.m. game uh, in the Big 12 that might be 7 p.m. Eastern. Well, it's 5, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. You're home by midnight, potentially. Well, you play a 7 p.m. game uh, in the in the Pac-12. It might be 7 p.m. Pacific which is eight o'clock mountain, you're getting home at two, three in the morning. So uh, that's going to be, you know, bigger. Some of these football games, they would get home at, you know, four or five in the morning. Uh, so, you know, I think that some of those things are going to be lessened to where uh, the athletes can recover quicker from some of those road trips. And so uh, th- there's some benefits to it. All in all, I think that it was a, a good move by Rick George and, and Colorado to get ahead of this and get into a spot where they've got stability. That was the big word um, at the press conference was stability. They now know what they're going to make uh, for the next seven years uh, in the Big 12. So all in all, I think it's a good move, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mentioned this in my column last week about, uh, you know, after kind of going into this Pac-12 deal where, you know, the the, the distribution wasn't there and the, um, you, you, you know, being in kind of good time slots and a lot of exposure, it wasn't really there. And, you know, Rick said in that press conference that ESPN and Fox, that's who they want to be aligned with. There'll be more eyes on CU bus football, certainly CU bus basketball. And 
you have the, you know, like we've, we, like you said, the buzzword stability. You know, I don't think they want to enter into a deal where you kind of cross your fingers and and hope the subscription numbers are there. You know, as you mentioned, a lot of that kind of Midwest passion for sports that uh, at some of these other locations, a lot of it's not there. So to bank on those subscriptions, kind of upping that Apple deal to the realm of what they would get in in the Big Twelve would have been a stretch at best, and um, you know, that it would get that much higher. You know, I was skeptical. I'm skeptical that we would have ever seen that. And besides the exposure, you know, when you're playing on, on different slots, you know, there's just a lot, not a lot of people are going to sign up for that for PAC 12 sports. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I've seen people mention this before, but, uh, people have pointed out, why is it that the four corner schools were so attractive to the big 12 and, and their TV partners, these four schools from, uh, uh, from the West West Coast were attracted to the Big Ten and their media partners, but they somehow couldn't get together and be attractive as a Pac-12. Uh, it's kind of interesting and really kind of an indictment on Pac-12 leadership that they didn't get anything done and uh, and keep this league together. It's it's a shame because uh, you know I think that that was the downfall of the Pac-12 is just poor management and leadership over the last decade or so. Yeah, absolutely. We're not the first people to have said that, and, and certainly it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year, kind of writing about this for the uh, entire. You know, we still have a full year of uh, being in the Pac-12 and covering the Pac-12 and monitoring this this transition. A lot of final rivalries and final road trips and and stuff like that. But you know, the interesting thing is, like, how much is it going to be the final? You know, as you mentioned the buffs are committed to the big 12 to, to 2031 is the new normal going to be, you know, when that time rolls around looking at the other media contracts and other leagues and what they look like at that point, is it going to be the new normal where we just see when these deals are kind of expiring and they're looking for new one, our programs are now going to be our, our entire university is going to be like free agents now and kind of looking to go to the, to the best bidder. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to follow and, yeah, it might be the new norm. And, you know, it's funny. I haven't thought of this before, but you and I have covered a lot of high school sports in the area. And it's kind of crazy how often, like, Chassa changes the leagues. Like, right? <laughs> rivalries have gone out the door in high school sports a lot. So why not college sports, right? I mean, rivalries don't matter anymore. It's all about let's change things every few years. And that might be what happens in college sports. Slight differences of money involved, but I see what you mean. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying about the rivalries. There's there's a lot of factors involved. It's clearly not the same thing. There's no TV partners for the Centennial League or the Jeffco yeah. League. <laughs> exactly. Not yet, anyway. Maybe that's something we not should yet. look into. Maybe maybe Apple, um, uh, since they don't get the Pac-12, they might go to the Centennial League or whatever and say, "Hey, let's do a deal." <laughs> um, but it's an interesting cover. Obviously, we got. Uh, uh, another full year in the Pac-12. This won't be the last time that we talk about this. So probably try time to move into some football here, but uh, it certainly makes everything interesting. You know, last road trips and wondering when or if we'll see some of these teams ever again. Yeah, it will be interesting, but we do know we're going to see them this year. And uh, so let's transition to football because the Buffs are a weekend to fall camp at this point. And as we mentioned, we haven't been able to see it. They haven't opened the gates to the media. Um, uh, you know, and there's been, decent access i mean we've had coaches most coaches every day or some coaches every day but uh players we've only had uh, a trio of players at this point so uh, we got to rely on kind of what, what we're hearing from that but um 
by all accounts, and really, I guess we get to watch a lot of the videos on on social media uh, from you know well off media and reach the people. Uh, so we we do see some of that stuff, but it looks like they clearly have some talent on offense, and that that's probably the biggest takeaway I've gotten from the first week. For me, when I'm thinking about this team, and you know, you, you and I are starting to call together material for our, our our preview section and, and and thinking season preview and all that kind of sort uh, sort of stuff i keep coming back to you know the the, the one dynamic I th- obviously i think they're you know, going to be much improved at the skill positions on on both sides of the ball um, um you know the, obviously the defensive secondary and all the skill positions on offense um you know, we've seen the talent that's been brought in. We, you know, kind of see the the, the pedigree they had on the recruiting trail. And I think that's going to be a given. Um, after that, though, I still come back and it's kind of a recurring theme with this program. It's uh, uh, even with the new regime, I'm still wondering what they're going to look like up front on both sides of the ball and how they're going to be able to compete there. Um, you know, still a few weeks to kind of feel things out and, and see where this team is at. But you know, that's the kind of general sense, <clears throat> excuse me, that I have going into this greatly improved skill positions, still a lot of question marks up front. Yeah. And I just don't know how good they are up front. I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say they're not going to be good in the trenches, but I, we just don't know. I mean, I think um, it's clear that we can see the skill positions are, are good. Shador Sander, Shador Sanders, um, clearly a, a good quarterback. I mean, he's at least the best thing they've had at that position since Steven Montez, maybe even beyond that. Uh, there's a ton of talent at running back and receiver, but offensive line, uh, I think there's some some quality players there, but how good are they as a group of five? Uh, can they come together and be a good offensive line? Then defensive line, they got some talent, but um, it's a little bit on the smaller side, not only in how, how big each of the guys are, but in numbers. I mean, they don't have a ton of, uh, depth there. So if they start having some injuries there, they could be in some trouble, but uh, I'm with you. My, that's my biggest question mark with this team is how good are they in the trenches? And uh, you know, that was one thing I, I chatted with Brock Heward, uh, former Washington and NFL quarterback and now Fox analyst um, last month at big 12 media days. And he basically said the same thing. He said, when I see this team, I see a ton of talent on the perimeter. I just don't know if they can compete in the trenches. And I think that's the main question mark about this team. And uh, they've got to go prove people wrong in that regard. And I think it's down to five, uh, I believe, scholarship players left on the defensive line. And, uh, you know, Coach Sanders kind of dismissed that a little bit the other day in his press conference and, uh, you know, felt like that the depth is going to be there. We'll find out, obviously, and, you know, hopefully for the buffs, they don't find out the hard way, but you know, the same can be said on the other side, you know, he made one comment, like as long as they keep Shadur upright uh, you know, the offense is going to be able to do some things. And uh, you know, I think we maybe all agree with that with given the skill that they have, the, the, the talent they have again at the skill positions, but you know, it's keeping him upright going to be a problem. And if he gets dinged up, then what happens? Uh, they have, you know, obviously saying, Sanders, uh, Shador Sanders has to prove himself at this level. I think everyone's pretty confident that uh, that that he's going to be able to do the job. That, that you know he's you know a more than capable quarterback at this level. Uh, but if they can't keep him upright and he is taking big hits and he does get even a little bit dinged up, you know there's there's a lot of unproven quality behind him. 
Um, you know, this guy you wrote a little bit earlier this week about the job for the the, the backup number two quarterback spot. If something happens to Shadur Sanders, are any of those guys going to be able to step in and keep this offense rolling? Obviously, that's another huge question mark. Yeah, two true freshmen and two walk-ons uh, that are behind him. And the only quarterback of the four with any college experience is Gavin Cold, a walk-on who uh, was really a, a backup at a couple of different JUCOs. So, um, you know, that, that's not a very good experience, but that doesn't mean they can't play. I mean, Ryan Staub has shown some good things, uh, you know, and, and he's probably the front runner for that backup job. But clearly, Shadur Sanders is the key to this team. You know, that's the case in most football teams, right? The quarterback is the key. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how well he does. And there's been rave reviews about him. I mean, he's been pretty impressive in the videos and everything we're hearing about him is just, uh, you know, he is you know, a really impressive quarterback. So I, I'm excited to see him more than anything as we get to TCU here in a few weeks. Yeah, and you never know how this will translate on field. We haven't really gotten – we haven't at all been able to, you know, watch him at, at this level yet. But, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of this uh, comes from being Deion's son. But, just, you know, just the way he, he goes about his business, the way he handles himself at press conferences, you know, his, his demeanor, his aura, if you will – uh, he seems to be just kind of a, a well put together young man in, in all aspects, you know, really well fought and, uh, uh, you know, kind of, you know, really handles himself like, like a professional. So uh, certainly looks like they've got a, a winner at that spot. I'm looking forward to watching him play, but, you know, certainly a concern if the offensive line struggles, if he's back there taking big hits and, you know, there's also, you know, he's, you know, he could move around pretty good. This is what we saw at Jackson State. You know, is he going to be limited in being able to do, you know, a lot of ad-lib plays or or, or, or taking off on his own? You know, so you can have freedom to do that if there's, you know, a, a high-level concern about what might come in behind him if he starts taking, you know, too many big hits. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of questions there. I think that you got to get that running game going too, and I do like the running back group, so – um, as long as they they can be, you know, two dimensional on offense as opposed to one, I think that's going to help for sure. But um, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think the best thing about being Dion's son uh, is that you know he is he does act like a professional. I don't think he's going to be phased by anything. I mean, he's one guy that I don't worry about, and I'm not sure if I could say this about a lot of guys in the in the past several years, but he's one guy that I don't worry about going into that environment at TCU being home against uh, Nebraska or going to Autzen Stadium uh, in Eugene and being, you know, phased by it, right? He's going to go in there, whatever. This is just a football game. Let's play. I think Travis Hunter is going to be the same way. Shiloh Sanders is going to be the same way. And if they can bring that same viewpoint to the rest of this team, I think that could, that could maybe steal a win at some point this season when you have that thought process going into games. It's certainly on the the source of it looks like a team that i mean you always strive for this in football right you're trying to get better every week play your best football at the end of the year some teams are kind of built more for that than others this one certainly should be a team that that fits that bill you know a lot of them as we've talked about didn't even get here till after spring practice and and over the summer so in a lot of cases uh the, these first couple of weeks of preseason camp are the first time that these guys have worked together. The first time these guys have worked with these coaches and you know, whatever we see at TCU, it's certainly not going to be a finished product yet. 
and probably won't be for some time. So I, depth is going to be a question, but I think if they stay healthy in general and kind of keep this thing moving forward, it should be the sort of team that's playing better at the end of the season than perhaps at the beginning of the season. Yeah, for sure. And and we'll obviously talk more about TCU um, as we get closer to the game, but um, a week into camp, Pat, and uh, we are full go now. Summer is over. Summer is over. It was a good one, but uh, always exciting this time of year, kind of getting back into it and everyone getting back on campus and the games are getting a little closer. So uh, looking forward to it. I know uh, we'll have the rare team coverage on the road for that TCU game. We'll, you'll get to be joined by my smiling face on the road. So it uh, should be an exciting season for sure. Definitely uh, a lot more to look forward to than, than we've seen in recent years from a coverage standpoint. Well, we should say that the the only other time that happened that both of us were on the road for a game, uh, they did beat Stanford um, at Stanford to become bowl eligible in 2016. So they got a, a memorable, wasn't a pretty game, but they got a memorable uh, victory on the road the last time you and I were both at a road game. It was only 10 to 5, but still. Yes, but my friend, you're, you're, you're forgetting one, my friend. There was actually two that year. I joined you at the Pac-12 championship game as well. Uh, so it's a one in one ledger. Yeah, well, well, we're talking regular season. Forget about the other one. Ah, oh, season that doesn't count. So that's right. <laughs> at, well, at CU, it's not official record anyway. So that's right. <laughs> they only count uh, regular season. So hey, that'll wrap it up for for this one. Uh, we're gonna be doing this more often. Now, like we said, it's been a while since we've done one, but we're gonna do these more often now that we are rolling in uh, the fall sports season. So Pat, thanks for joining me, and I'll chat with you soon. Yeah, real quick before I bow out, uh, one thing to throw out there. We probably won't do this again uh, before this happens, but look forward to next week, next Thursday, uh, a week from, you know, as you and I are talking now, the 17th, first night soccer game in print-up field history. All the renovations will be unveiled. Uh, it's a new look over there at the track at Pottsfield. I think they're still working on that, but print-up will be done, all new facilities a press area I'm very much looking forward to seeing, and, uh, of course, the lights. So uh, 7 o'clock against Northern Colorado, first athletic event of the season, and uh should be fun to see those lights uh, going up at Pranta. Awesome. We'll look forward to the coverage of that, and uh, Pat, we'll see you throughout the season. Yep, you too. Thanks, everyone, for listening.